Thanks for listening to the Faith Radio podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. I'm Carmen LaBerge. I hope you enjoy. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Again, on this 4th of July holiday, this is a special edition of Mornings with Carmen. And so I want to wish you a happy Independence Day if you're a citizen of the United States of America. And if you're just visiting with us, then, um, you know, welcome to the party today. We are celebrating the land that we love. And um, and I want to just acknowledge here at the outset of this hour the role of religion in America's founding. Uh, And I recognize that that's a controversial subject matter. Like, I totally get that. Um, I recognize that there are places and and times, even recently, when um, Christian symbols, the cross or or other symbols of Christianity uh, or Christian songs have been used in ways to promote kind of an ugly Christian nationalism in the United States. But today, we want to be appropriately patriotic, and we want to recognize that God is sovereign. We want to recognize that God is the one who grants nations rise and fall, that God is the one who preserves and protects, guides and defends. And so even as um, there are critics out there who would say that, you know, Christians ought not over-spiritualize the nation in which we live. We as Christians also recognize that no matter what land you live in, you live under the sovereignty of God, and God is the one um, who is uh, granting the power um, to governments of all forms. And we want a government, we want a land where God is openly glorified. I'm not ashamed to say that. And so today I want us to be like appropriately patriotic, recognizing that the people um, who who forged this land and founded her um, on the principles and precepts of uh, of Judeo-Christian ideas? Um, you know that we got we honor that today. We acknowledge that this it's it's okay to express that today. We do live in a time when there are all of these extremes in the conversations, and sometimes that damages our ability to appreciate. Um, both the beauty and complexity of our past. And so I think it's okay to say that. We have a beautiful and complex past um, as an American people. And so I encourage you to um, to consider that today as you consider, let's say, the words of the Declaration of Independence. The actual text of the Declaration, um, I think, is a great place for us to look to see um, the truth of God having created a people, um, and also the opportunity for us to recognize that nowhere in there does it say that this is a Christian country. And I think it's okay to recognize that. It's okay to say that. There's God talk in the Declaration of Independence, um, but not expressly um, Christianese. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to recognize and, and acknowledge that today. So as you are considering um, the words of the, the Declaration of Independence, 
Um, what what catches you? What do you see to be self-evident in in terms of truth? Do you view it as self-evident that all men are created equal? All men? Just men? Just men of a particular color or a particular status? No. When we're talking about equal creation, we're talking about the reality that every human being stands on equal footing at creation. And just consider that for a moment. Every human being stands on equal footing at creation. Every single human being is created in the image of God. That is a self-evident truth. You can declare that today. You can declare today the reality that every human being is endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That's absolutely true. First of all, that we are created. We are created beings. That is an incredible declaration to make uh, in the context of of the conversations taking place in the culture today. We are not self-made. We are created. And we are made in the image of our creator and endowed with what? Certain unalienable rights. You have rights that cannot be bestowed by a government and they can't be taken away by a government. So when we say in the Declaration of Independence that government exists to um, preserve, protect, and defend unalienable rights, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we're not saying that government created them. Um, We're saying that government secures those rights and that good government secures those rights in ways um, that lead to human flourishing. So you have the unalienable right to life because God gave you life. You have the unalienable right to liberty because God made you to be free. And you have the unalienable right to pursue happiness because God created you to flourish. And so today, as you consider those universal truths declared in the Declaration of Independence of this country, it doesn't lead us to say this has to be a, you know, a quote-unquote Christian country. We're not talking about the establishment of a theocracy. We're talking about the establishment of a people um, in the past and again today who recognize that we, we live under the sovereignty of God. We live in response to God. We live in recognition of, of God's created order, and we as the people um, under his hand. So we're going to spend a little time revisiting some conversations that we've had uh, in the past. We're talking today with Rachel Starr um, about outrageous obedience, what it looks like to answer God's call to shine in dark places. We'll also talk about her ministry, Scarlet Hope. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. All right, joining us now, Rachel Starr, founder of Scarlet Hope and author of Outrageous Obedience, Answering God's Call to Shine in the Dark Places. Rachel, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for having me, Carmen. Okay, so... um. I I appreciate um you know like this story of where for you like God called you to go into a genuinely dark place and so I, I definitely want you to tell us this story of uh where God led you I really want you to tell your testimony could you just do that can I just ask it that way <laughs> Sure um well you know it starts really as a young girl. I had a, I grew up in a pastor's home with my dad sharing the hope and love of Jesus with me and my, both of my parents, but my dad really showed me how to live like Jesus and who Jesus would walk alongside and who Jesus would go to. And so 
that was my example my whole life. But uh, I was very sick as a child. God um, miraculously healed me when I was nine years old of a illness um, called scleroderma. And so when I got into my upper uh, teens, my early 20s, I started asking God, if you saved me from this, what did you create me for? What is my purpose and who are my people? And I was driving into work one day. I had been praying for a couple of years with my husband about where God would call us to. And we were willing to go anywhere, but I was driving into work one day and I passed a theater X. And quite frankly, as a Christian, most of my life and growing up in a Christian home, I didn't really know what that was or what happened there. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, I'm sending you there to share my hope and my love with the people in that place. And I called my husband. I said, I think God's calling me to women in the sex industry. And my husband was like, that's exactly what Jesus would do. (laughs) So that's how we started our ministry of Scarlet Hope, ministering to women in the adult entertainment industry in 2007. So Scarlet Hope um, is a ministry you can connect with directly at scarlethope.org. Next, we're going to have Rachel um, share with us more about her own outrageous obedience and the call in our own lives to answer um, God and shine in the dark places. The book is Outrageous Obedience. More up next. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it. We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself— All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing? the suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. We're talking with Rachel Starr. You can connect with her ministry at scarlethope.org. Her book is Outrageous Obedience, Answering God's Call to Shine in the Dark Places. Um, Rachel, what does radical biblical obedience look like today? Yeah, it looks like wherever seeking the Lord in what where he's calling you to go to share the gospel and to give him glory and advance the kingdom and then being obedient to what that and where that is. For me, it was people in the adult entertainment industry that have experienced exploitation and trafficking. Um, also for me, it's going and serving home cooked meals to strip clubs, massage parlors, women on the streets, and then being able to provide a way to disciple them and teach them who Jesus is and how he loves them and how he has a better life for them. Um, and that's what it looks like today, but in many contexts, it looks 
simply like seeking God's will and his glory and his plans for the, for how you can impact the kingdom and then being obedient to that. So I'm imagining in the midst of all this, Rachel, that, um, you know, there's, there's, there's one day that you're, um, you know, you're going to deliver meals and you're going to serve them in one of these locations and um, you need to borrow your husband's vehicle. And so you put it all in there and you drive there and you, you know, you park his vehicle right there out front and center of that um, particular establishment. And you start hearing from people, Hey, I saw your, uh, your husband's car, (laughs) you know, parked in front of a strip club. Um, Right. Like we are so quick to judge other Christians who are shining as light in dark places. Um, Have you had that experience where, some of the negative feedback actually comes from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I first started doing this over 15 years ago, my closest friends thought I was crazy. I would hear things (laughs) like, you're going to become like them. You are, you know, God couldn't really be calling you to go to them. There's Mm -hmm. church signs. And if they see the signs, they're more than welcome to come. Things like that happened. And you know, fast forward here, several years after we had started serving women and women's lives were being transformed by the gospel, people started apologizing to me and writing me letters saying, wow, I had no idea that God could do this. And so I think mm. we have a very limited uh, view of what God calls us to or how to be obedient or what God can do. And so, um, yeah, for sure, people were skeptical and still sometimes are skeptical of what we do. There's this rhythm of um, revelation, God's revealing himself, his love, um, and then God revealing us. Um, and our response, which for you, you know, like this description of, uh, of obedience that you offer us is this essential component part here, this radical biblical obedience. And it does bring transformation. And you have seen that. You have seen lives transformed by the power of the gospel, and your life has been transformed in the midst of it as well. I think that part of our resistance sometimes to doing what we clearly know God is calling us to do is we don't really want our life to be complicated and changed in the ways that um, yours has become complicated and changed. You know, that's that's really true. And I I think that part of what happens in the journey of being obedient to the Lord's calling is he doesn't give you the whole picture. Of this. He doesn't tell you where you're going to be at in 15 years and what it's going to look like. And, you know, really, I had no intention of starting an organization that would do this all over the country long term. I just simply wanted to be obedient to the Lord. And so he gave me one step at a time, and it was to show up at a strip club with a home-cooked meal and and serve the women sacrificially without judgment. And God used that uh, to change my life, to show me that he can, I, I've seen, I say this, and especially in my book, I explain this. I've seen God work in a strip club more than I've seen God work in the pews and the churches uh, that I've been a part of in my life. And, uh, you know, that, that you can only witness that when you actually are obedient and you actually go and do what God's calling you to do. There's a lot of resistance to obedience. I mean, there just is. Like, we have so many ways of rationalizing a way that God might be calling us to do something. So I would love for you to talk about, like, that sense of specific calling. Uh, You were obviously very spiritually sensitive. You're in your car, you're driving, and you have this 
absolute clarity that the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about some of the ways that an individual can know that God is specifically calling them in a particular moment to extend the gospel in a particular direction? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, um, so I would say first and foremost that it wasn't anything in me that was so spiritual when I was 21 seeking the <laughs> Lord for this. I only knew what I could know. You know, I think all the time my brain wasn't even formed until I was 20, fully formed until I was 25, but it was God's grace in me and what I had been taught my whole life and shown my whole life up to that point that led me to seek him and what he would want me to do and how he would want me to spend my life. You know, I think one of the things that people can know is I tried a lot of things before God actually spoke this into my life and and I was obedient in it. I would pick up homeless people on the side of the road. I would serve at different soup kitchens. I would lead Bible study at my church. I would do a lot of things um, trying to seek my purpose and my calling. But this, and these are the two things that I've really identified to help people is this was not my idea. I would have, ne- I never even noticed that place when I drove by it to and from work. This was God's idea. And I often think about this is that no one else was doing this. Um, I naturally thought, well, yes, this is exactly what Jesus would do. So I went to churches and asked my church and other churches, are you ministering to prostitutes and women in the sex industry? And people would unanimously in my city say no. And so I knew it was from the Lord that he was calling us to do this. And it was just take the first step of obedience. Um, Talk with us about a little bit about Scarlet Hope, um, which I'm going to direct people to at scarlethope.org. It's operating in a number of cities um, across the country. Um, it, this goes beyond, uh, you know, a, a home cooked meal taken to a strip club. Yes, <laughs> we do that. We serve women in strip clubs. We serve them in massage parlors. We serve them online now because that has exponentially grown over the years. And we reach them with the hope of the gospel, with a home cooked meal, with a dessert, with a gift. But we offer opportunities into a community where they can come to know a safe group of Christian people that are for them. They can also come to know the gospel and who God created them to be in his image. And, and so in 10 cities around the country, we operate Scarlet Hopes in major cities, Miami, Nashville. You can find them on our website. Um, and we're offering these these programs in each of the cities as a way to provide a place, a safe place for women to transform their lives into who God created them to be. I love your story. I love the story of Scarlet Hope. I um, I deeply appreciate the ministry in which you're engaged. The book is a wonderful connecting point for individuals. And so if you're listening right now and you're like, I want to be released in this way, like I want I want to experience this kind of outrageous obedience in my own life, and I want to answer God's call to shine in the dark places of this generation. The book is Outrageous Obedience, Answering God's Call to Shine in the Dark Places. Scarlethope.org is where you can connect with information and resources related to the ministry um, that is taking place in in cities across the country um, in relationship to sharing the hope and the love of Jesus with women in the adult entertainment industry. And um, if that is a of interest to you, I really encourage you to go check it out and connect at Scarlet Hope. 
www.ncpa.org. Um, Rachel, what a joy to connect with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen, for having me on your show. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's Rachel Starr. Let's be praying for Rachel and the others who are engaged in this really magnificent ministry. Again, scarlethope.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Well, I hope today on this 4th of July, you're going to sing the faith. What are you going to sing today? Um, As you're singing the faith, maybe you're going to sing, lift every voice and sing. Maybe you're going to sing, God bless America or America the beautiful. My country, tis of thee, or this land is your land. Maybe you're, you know, going to go kind of funky and sing, born in the USA. Uh, Maybe you're just going to appreciate John Philip Sousa's stars and stripes forever. Maybe for you, it'll be instrumental. I don't know. Well, surely at some point you're going to sing the Star-Spangled Banner. If you hadn't planned to already, I encourage you to do so. Francis Scott Key was inspired by the sight of the American flag flying over Fort McHenry, um, and he scribbled the initial verse of the song on the back of a letter. Eventually, he added the other verses to it. And so I'm going to read the Star-Spangled Banner in its entirety here as an encouragement and inspiration that we would sing uh, songs of faith today and songs of independence and songs that... Um, acknowledge the goodness of this land and, the, and ultimately the greatness of God. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight o'er the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming? And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave? On the shore, dimly seen through the mists of the deep, where the foe's haughty host in dread silence reposes, what is that which the breeze o'er the towering steep, as it fitfully blows, half conceals, half discloses? Now it catches the gleam of the morning's first beam, and full glory reflected now shines in the stream. Tis the star-spangled banner, oh, long may it wave, o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. And where is that band who so uh, vauntingly swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, a home and a country should leave us no more? Their blood has washed out their foul footsteps' pollution, No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave, and the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Oh, thus be it, ever when freedom shall stand between their loved land and war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. When conquer we must, when our cause it is just, and this be our motto in God is our trust, and the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. 
All right, this is going to be really fun, I promise you, in advance, because we're going to talk with Kendall Vanderslice. She is uh, a baker. She's a sister in Christ. Um, She's a theologian. She's an author. She does workshops on this this topic of uh, what, what is bread making and how can it be a spiritual practice. Yeah, I'm pretty jazzed about this. The book is By Bread Alone, A Baker's Reflections, on hunger, longing, and the goodness of God. Kendall, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So I, uh, just to let you know, I grew up with a mom who was uh, a home economics person, and she did this thing at the county fair where she had thousands of people making bread in a bag. Amazing. Like, I, I don't know if I've seen that before. I know. So I uh, I intend to uh, connect you with my 84-year-old mom and uh, let her teach you the bread in the bag method so that you I can... I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so much fun because, you know, you can make the bread and not get your hands totally dirty and still go back to the fair. And while yeah. you're at the other fair activities, like it's rising in the bag and then when you get home, you bake it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. I know. There you go. Um, all right. I, I want to talk with you about By Bread Alone, which is the book we're discussing today. But I'd like to take a step back from that. And um, and just have you make the connection for us. Um, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Talk with us about the connection between yeah. what we put in our mouths and uh, and the word of God and who we are as his people. Yeah, so I love to connect um, this passage from, you know, the story of the temptations of Jesus um, to the Gospel of John, um, where Jesus says first that Jesus is the word that was present with God in the beginning, and Jesus also is the bread of life. Um, So when Jesus says that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Jesus is both the word that proceeds from the mouth of God and also the bread that we place in our own mouths, on our tongues, so that we know God's nearness on our tongues, in our bellies, in this very, very tangible form. Um, And so I, to me, that's that's why I sort of wanted the title to be By Bread Alone, playing on that idea that we don't live by bread alone, we live by every word, but Jesus himself is both the word and the bread. You also... um help us see, not only in this book, but in other things that you've written, um, that Christ is made known among us in the breaking of the bread. Can you reflect yeah. on on that for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. So the, you know, for me, the connections really began. I'm a professionally trained baker, and I would rush from my job at the bakery to church every Sunday. And so I would go and receive communion every week with bread dough still stuck to my arms. Um, And it really started to make me think, what is the connection between this bread that I'm baking all morning, and this bread that I'm consuming in church every Sunday. Um, And that is kind of where where my sort of theological journey began. Um, But I think it is so significant that of all the things that Jesus could have given us as kind of this marker of Jesus' death and resurrection, and as this um, practice of the church, he gave us a meal. He gave us specifically a meal of bread and the cup. Um, And so, you know, I, I think that that bread is significant in and of itself of just the materiality of bread reflects so much about the nature and character of God. Okay, so talk with us about the Edible Theology Project and dinner churches, because yes. I, I think that if people <laughs> if people could embrace this, like it could really transform how we think about church, who we are Absolutely. as people at a shared table. So yeah, it, introduce us to these ideas. 
Yeah. So the Edible Theology Project is um, an educational nonprofit that I began. Um, our goal is to help people connect the communion table to the tables that we eat at all throughout the week. Um, and so we do that. We have two kind of main ways. We have um, a podcast called Kitchen Meditations, but uh, even better, my favorite way is our curriculum called Worship at the Table where we, um, it's designed for a kind of a church small group or a book club or, or anything like that. And it's designed for you to walk through the role of meals and food in the story of scripture, and then to identify the ways that meals and the table have shaped you and your own life. And then to imagine together how you can use the table in your church and in your home as a method of building community, of um, facilitating hard conversations about the topics that we don't really like to talk about. Um, because I see all of that being tied up in what um, the, the role that the communion table is meant to serve in the church, um, that it is a meal that tells a story of Christ's death and resurrection, but it is also a very practical tool to build community and to guide us into the hard conversations that make us one body in the body and the bread of Christ. We're talking with Kendall Vanderslice. Um, you can find what we're talking about today, which is By Bread Alone, A Baker's Reflections on Hunger, Longing, and the Goodness of God but also lots of other resources like the Edible Theology Project um, at Kendall's website, kendallvanderslice.com. I'll also put all of the individual links in our show notes today, um, which you can get wherever you download this show as a podcast or later today at myfaithradio.com. Kendall, first of all, thank you for the way you bring this forward in conversation in a way that is, is so delightful and inviting. I think that the gift of hospitality is clearly yours. And so um, thank you for that. Thank you for not just, um, you know, like providing the feast, but setting the table because oh, that's that's just a huge part of this. Um, so one of the things that uh, that comes up a lot in, in this conversation um, is the word community. How do we mm-hmm. sit down and break bread together at table? How is Christ made known in the breaking of that bread? Um, and these conversations related to like who gets to come to the table um, or who yeah. is at our table. Could you can you wander around a little bit in that conversation? Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, it is so hard to um, to to set tables well. <laughs> um, you know, tables can be they can be this incredible source of building community and they can also be a source of breaking down community. And so being sort of closely aware of, of who is present, who feels safe, who feels comfortable, who is welcomed to our table, um, and who feels like this table is not for them, um, is is really tricky territory to navigate. And so um, this is part of why I love starting by kind of talking about the foods that are meaningful to us and the stories that they tell. Because once we start to sort of identify, you know, what are the foods that are meaningful to me? What are the foods that have shaped my experience of the world? What are the foods that were significant in my family or my church? Um, it helps us get into conversations about kind of the differences within that exist within community, starting by talking about the different foods that are meaningful to people or the different barriers that exist to us at the table, maybe food allergies or food restrictions that might keep some people from sitting at the same table as us. And that's an, one easy step in to figuring out how do we make a table that is um, more broadly welcoming to folks who might have a very sort of physical barrier to the table from us. 
Um, and then that can lead us further into questions of who who is not present in our community, who it might be really valuable to learn from, um, who might have you know life experience that can better understand what's happening in the city that we live in or the county that we live in, because their experience of it is different. And how can we sit at a table and engage in those conversations? Um, but I also think it's important to remember that not every table needs to be a safe place for everybody. Sometimes it is good to have a table that is um, a little bit more restricted so that you can get into deeper conversation with the people who is there. Um, you know, there, there are times when our dinner table needs to be just our family, that we need to have family conversation and, and the hard conversations that need to happen. And you're not going to do that when one of your kids has a friend over. And that's okay because this sort of restricted um table in that moment allows for a kind of conversation and a kind of community that wouldn't be possible um, if it was a table open to anyone at that moment. And so I think our churches can learn from that as well, um, that there are times when, you know, we are to be open doors and, and hospitable and welcoming in those who do not feel um like the church might be a place for them and, and showing them this creative and beautiful and welcoming hospitality. Um, and then there might be moments when we say, hey, this is a meal to be shared among those who are proclaiming Jesus' death and resurrection. And there is something different that happens in that moment than happens in our broader hospitality of, of welcoming everyone in. And, and those kinds of differences of both welcome and restriction are both good and okay things. Jim is uh, on the text line um, right now joining us, Kendall, and he just, you know, wants to make the observation that you sure do have a great name for being a baker. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I've had people ask me all the time, is that your real name or did you make it up? <laughs> but I think it was the humor of God. Absolutely. We're talking with Kendall Vanderslice. She is the author, among other things, of Buy Bread Alone, a baker's reflections on hunger, longing, and the goodness of God. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll return to this conversation in just a moment. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it? We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing, the suffering, the challenges, the questions, God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com and reading the Bible together. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. From daily bread to the one who was whole, broken as the bread of life that made those who of us who are broken whole, um, we're talking with Kendall Vanderslice. We're talking about the theology related to bread. We're talking uh, about the reality of daily bread and the community that happens around tables where bread is broken. We're talking about how Christ is made known among us 
in the breaking of the bread. Um, Kendall, you are really honest in in this book uh, about um, singleness. Yeah. And I'd I'd love to have a, a conversation with you. It's not lost on me that next week is Valentine's Day and the and the world is kind of obsessed with, uh, or at least this country, <laughs> kind of obsessed with that. So um, so let's talk about this, because I was thinking, you know, there's no reason that I couldn't have a very simple um, soup and bread dinner um, on Valentine's Day and invite everyone. Mm, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I for me, the journey to sort of embracing singleness as um I wouldn't necessarily say a gift from God, but the reality that um, that God has me living in um, and, and realizing that that is okay um, and that I can actually have a, a beautiful and delightful and full life in the midst of singleness came through living life deeply embedded in community. Um, the rhythms of life, kind of the mundane aspects of life shared with both fellow single friends, but also with married friends, with friends with kids, um, and just being pulled into the rhythms of life altogether, um, that not only did that bring so much joy and fulfillment um, and kind of met my own need for companionship and friendship, um, but it also allowed me to kind of step in and um, aid my friends in their own moments of singleness or isolation or just exhaustion, being able to kind of be a presence in the lives of, um, you know, my friends with kids um, and being able to, you know, join them at sports team practices or just for, you know, um, I've had, I've joined friends for holiday meals that, that those kinds of things just bring so much more, I think, fulfillment um, to both of our lives when we sort of reimagine the boundaries of what it means to to live as family. And so, I think that's a great idea. That for Valentine's, make it a make it a bigger thing. I think our our love as a community in the church, um, you know, Jesus constantly talks about sort of reorienting our understandings of family. Um, and I think that that's just such a beautiful example of it. That that the love that we're sharing is this this love of community and and sharing our lives together. It's so fun. Again, we're talking with Kendall Vanderslice. The book is By Bread Alone, but you can connect with Kendall and lots of resources related to this topic at KendallVanderslice.com. You can also connect to all of her social media there. Um, Every single day uh, when people pray the Lord's Prayer, or at least when they pray it in the rhythm of somebody saying, let's pray together, as Jesus taught us to pray, one of the things we pray for is daily bread. And we do that in a world where Many, many people do not have enough to eat. Um, and I was thinking about that in the context of Isaiah 55 um, and this wonderful bidding invitation from God that we should come, all of us, those who are thirsty and have no bucket and those who are, um, you know, people of material wealth, but uh, nonetheless weary and heavy laden. Everyone who thirsts, everyone who hungers for, for righteousness is invited to come and eat and drink without money and without cost. But somehow, Kendall, that offends us. <laughs> so, mm, somehow yeah. it offends it offends us. Can you just speak to that for a moment? Yeah, I mean, I think it it offends us because the the very basic reality is that we all share the same need, no matter what we have or what we don't have, um, no matter kind of how hard we've worked or how far we've made it in sort of our careers or our lives or our families. We all share this same basic need 
for bread or for food and sustenance, and we all share the same basic need for God. Um, and that is a humbling reality to know that we there's a lot we might be able to do on our own, but in the end of the day, if we do not have our daily bread and we do not have the daily sustenance provided by the Lord, then we have nothing. Yeah, we we don't even have life. Like, right? These yeah. are the the, yeah. the most basic um, of of life's needs, and somehow we're offended when we're reminded in humility that we share that in common yeah. with every person of every time and place, including those who are um, going to die today for lack yeah. of clean water and lack of the most basic um, nutritional um, sustenance. And so, uh, you know, I, I want people to know that you deal with hard issues um, and real issues um, in this conversation as well. And that is such a gift. Um Talk with us. Uh, I want you. I want you to take this opportunity. Just take a couple of minutes and um, and talk about Reverend Doctor Charles Big Daddy Vanderslice and what oh, yeah. what he what he would have loved about this book. Oh goodness. Well, so the the last time I saw him um, alive, he passed away just days before I turned in the final edits of this book. Um, and the last time I had seen him was while I was working on the manuscript. And he told me, um, you got to make this book easier to read because your last one, I just didn't understand. <laughs> um, my first book was definitely more academic. It was based out of my academic research. And um, he was a, a brilliant uh pastor and doctor, and he, near the end of his career, just, um, he loved the Lord with all his heart and wanted um, to see writing that was accessible and that drew others into the love of Christ. And so, um, you know, I, I thought of that, of that, uh, his exhortation all along as I was writing it of, you know, how do I write a book that not only, um, I love, you know, I love the the nerdy academic research involved in this work, but how do I also write it in a way that just shows the love of Christ in this very compelling and accessible way. Um, and so I think he would have loved that a lot. So one of the things that um, periodically I will say to someone who is, um, you know, trying to decide how many angels can dance on the head of a pen, <laughs> I will say to them, now, look, I can slice the theological pie just as thin as you want, but really mm -hmm. the world just needs to know there's pie. Yeah. And well, this so is... I, I feel like that's what you've done with this book. Like you have helped us to slice the common loaf in a way that mm. everybody can access. And I just wanted the opportunity to celebrate that as well. I think you have I think you have done well um, by that uh, by that. Calling. Well, thank you so um, much. You yeah, know, I feel like this bread. Accessible. Bread in many ways kind of does that on its own. It is at once this incredibly simple thing and also infinitely complex um, that it's flour, water, salt, and yeast, but it's also we can mix it and ferment it and bake it in so many different ways that it has this infinite complexity. And I think in that way, bread mirrors our faith that it is at once incredibly simple. We believe that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And also, we can continue learning more about the nature and character of God and God's presence with us for our entire lives and still have more to learn. It's so much fun. Thank you so much. Um, this is just, it's a delight. Uh, I look forward to the day that maybe I could be in one of your workshops. It sounds like a whole lot of fun. You guys can connect with Kendall Vanderslice via her website and find out more about all she's up to, KendallVanderslice.com. The book we've been talking about today, By Bread Alone, A Baker's Reflections 
on hunger, longing, and the goodness of God. Kendall, thank you so much for being with us on Mornings with Thank Carmen. you so much for having me, Carmen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's taste and see that the Lord is good. We'll be right back. Hey, I hope on this 4th of July you're going to pledge allegiance to the flag. It was written on August of 1892. Um, I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That's it. That was the whole pledge. Um, Obviously, it has grown over time. And we now say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. I hope you can declare that today. I hope you can um, you can stand and appropriately appreciate with patriotism and with faith um, the hand of God over this great land. Um, let us pray today that God would preserve her. Have a great day and God bless. Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.